1: everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show 93.3, Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. And you can see, as we begin today's show, I'm at the house. I didn't want to contaminate everybody. I knew it was uh, inevitable that I would get sick. The entire family is. This is where you test the bounds of love, right? Um, Everybody was sick but me. I was the picture of health, and I told them all to keep their sickly selves away from me. But we live in the same house, and I take my kids to school. What are you going to do? So last night I went to bed at like 7 p.m. and told them all I hated them. (laughs) And that's how we begin today's show. When I woke up this morning, I said, I still hate you. Have a good day. So that's where we're at. And uh, I didn't want to go in studio today for fear that I make everybody else sick as well. So today's show is recorded. It's a little bit earlier than we would normally start. And it's from the house. And this is about the energy level you're going to get right here. This is what you're getting today. This is it. This is top in Jeff right here. I got nothing else but this right here, which brings me to the point of uh, game week here, and I want to thank Duke for not sucking. I thought about it yesterday, in and out of sleep, that uh, Duke has provided something worthy for the first time in the history of this rivalry. Well, this game. It's not a rivalry. I always forget. It is for them in Miami, but it is not for Florida State. As Florida State has never lost to Duke, ever. Not once, ever in the history of the football uh, matchup and let's not start this Saturday night, but also in the history of this matchup, Duke has never mattered in any way, shape or form. They've been a punching bag, quite the antithesis of what they are on the basketball court, obviously. Uh, But whereas on the basketball court, we've mattered and taken down Duke in some big moments. They've never mattered on the gridiron against us. And so Bravo, Bravo Duke, Bravo Elko, Way to run away from Jimbo and know that that was a toxic set of circumstances that you needed to flee from. Way to go last year winning nine of games. Way to go this year. Only one loss and that's to Notre Dame in the last seconds of the contest because what we get now, thanks in large part to Duke, is a primetime matchup with real energy surrounding this game. People are excited. Like, That game is being talked about amongst the three or four best in the country this weekend. And I know when we start the year, every year, we look ahead at games and we look at the schedule and we talk about what we think might happen, what ought to happen, where where we'll be at a certain point, and where our opponents will be at a certain point. And I just don't think, even though we gave Duke their proper due in the offseason, noting that they were not a pushover team this year, I don't think we thought they would be this kind of an opponent with just the one loss and really some primetime buzz added to the game. So I give them credit for that. Of course, we've done our part, undefeated. Florida State has to stay that way. Quite frankly, I think they should uh, for the remainder of the regular season, although I don't think it won't be without trial and tribulation, as I do believe Duke will give you a test this week. And Tom doesn't agree with me. He thinks Duke's going to get blown out. But I like Florida State to to have to struggle a little bit here against a defense that I think is very, very sound. So that's how we begin.
2: Well, I think... Yeah, it, it, I think when you look at the final score, it's going to be lopsided. But I think it's one of those situations where Duke's offense is so blah, especially without their starting quarterback, that if you just lean on them and lean on them and lean on them, they're going to give in at some point. And I'm not talking about effort. I'm just talking about time of possession and the physicality of of bringing what Florida State brings to the table over and over again. I had a chance uh, ahead of a feature that I'll write for tomorrow on WarChant.com. To look more in depth at the Notre Dame Duke game, and that was an interesting one, because Notre Dame scores early. There's a it's a sloppy game, like I, I, Notre Dame in, in the in the scope of all of those big matchups they had: Ohio State, Duke, and then the Louisville where they get smoked, and then USC. This was a slop fest for Notre Dame. The entirety of the first half, I think every single one of their possessions was marked by some sort of penalty, and it puts them behind the chains. But here's where Duke gets credit. If you do get behind the chains, Duke does a very good job of getting off the field. Yes, they do. What it's going to force us to do and that Notre Dame didn't do a really good job of consistently in that, you know, eking out of a win over the Blue Devils was the hidden things, the little things. I know that's a big part of the acronym climb, right, is the little things, but falling forward for a hidden yard or two on a run, um, you know, diagnosing and communicating with whatever front that Duke is going to bring to the table. It might be four man, but they love to do a lot of twists and stunts the way that our defensive line likes to do twists and stunts. So making sure your communication with the front five is okay and they play as one. Uh, that you get the ball out on time when somebody's open and you take that four or five yards to get into a second and five. Like all those little things are gonna add up for FSU's offense in this game. But the one thing you know, you go to Clemson and the one thing that you would point out is red zone inefficiency from Clemson. It was historic how bad that they were. They ran between the 20s like nuts. The one thing I look at with the Duke – or sorry, with the Notre Dame game against the Blue Devils, Notre Dame doesn't have any receivers, none. They've got a tight end who is awesome and nothing else, and Duke is in one-on-one on on the perimeter. In a matchup with Florida State, Jordan Travis will take those one-on-ones. We know that all too well, but Duke has not seen a set of wide receivers as skilled as they're about to see on Saturday night, and I want to see how that changes the dynamic of how their defense, which is very good – matches up against Florida State.
1: Yeah, the, Notre Dame wants to run the ball. They want to bludgeon you. They want to throw off a play action. They want to hit their tight end. They want, obviously, the opportunity to get you in second and medium and then like kind of hit you from there. And Duke did a real good job of understanding that. I, I think one of the things that I – the reason I keep bringing up the challenge – look, I like Florida State to win the game. I like Florida State to cover the game. I think if we're talking about wearing a team down, that's a little bit more of an apt descriptor as opposed to just saying, like, last week, you guys know, I was very dismissive of Syracuse. I don't think Syracuse is any good at all. I don't think there's a thing about that team that I respect. I don't, I don't even think their defense is good. I've, I've, I'm tired of people talking about it. Their defense is not good. And if they're going to continue to give up a ton of points. So they're just not good. And I don't think that about Duke at all. I think, I think Duke is fundamentally sound, and we're not always real good on first down. So that is a recipe for disaster. If you're going to suck on first down, you're going to be in second and 10 and second and eight. We don't run the ball consistently well against really anybody. So especially not in obvious run situations or in standard run situations. So I just think you could be behind the chains a lot. And that is disconcerting. I also don't think Duke's offense is going to move the ball. So I'm not going to worry about it as much. I think Duke will be physical, very physical. You'll have to match that. I see no reason why Florida State won't match that energy. Florida State... 7.30 7, 7.30 game, uh, primetime game. This crowd will be going nuts. They'll be excited. So the energy is not going to be a problem. Duke has their attention. Uh, like I said, it'll be physical. So that gets your attention early against anybody that shows up on film as physical. I just think that in terms of execution, we've watched Florida State have these moments this year that frustrate us to no end. I think you're going to see plenty of those moments in this game.
2: Yeah, I don't know that you'll have as many pre-snap penalties as Notre Dame brought to the table, and and uh, you know that game also featured a few missed field goals in the first half. It was just, it was one of those where Notre Dame is controlling it, but they're not running away on the scoreboard, and so what happens? Duke gets to creep in, and and we saw that against Boston College for Florida State. Like you get it, those those things can happen, especially when you're on the road in a primetime environment. You let a team, the home team, hang around. And it's the biggest game in their program's history, or since Steve Spurrier, at least, right? 30 years. So you could see how there's a recipe for something along those lines. It's just that we are going to play them fundamentally differently than anything that they've seen so far. If you combine, for example, the Clemson game plan, which is a lot of perimeter screens. Remember, we did the scout reverse. You know, what does Clemson's offense bring to the table? Well, they did a, a bunch of bubbles and outside looks, and that spreads the defense out wide, and they were able to run up the gut or run off tackle or do whatever they wanted to do with a two back set. What I'm fascinated to see in, in a matchup this weekend, one group versus another, that secondary is physical for Duke in terms of getting off of blocks to make plays in the perimeter, Very, but they're not, I mean, this is the best blocking wide receiver group that they're going to see all year long. Correct. At times the fight's going to take place on the perimeter. Then I mean, this is a wide receiver kind of game to open up a little bit more on the ground. Jordan needs to run more, we all know that. But then the style of runs too. This this defense is way too quick if you want to run counters. Like Notre Dame runs that stuff really good gap scheme stuff and Duke was very alert at stopping that. So Notre Dame stopped doing it for the most part. So we you know we've been we've been trending in that direction where our yeah. bread and butter from last year is not exactly what we're running a bunch of this year. This is just – it's a very different style of matchup than Duke has seen this year. So I'm looking forward to seeing what the offense does.
1: It's a strange game. I think if we try to bully Duke, we will not be able to. And that's why – I mean, I'm talking about running the ball and running the ball on first down. I don't don't think we're going to be able to do that. I, I think what you have to do is bully them in another way, and you just alluded to it, and it's a smart way to do it. Bully them with your wide receivers. They don't match up well in terms of size and athleticism. Nobody does against Florida State at wide receiver. Nobody. We have too many big, big, big receivers that are willing to put their hands on you. So this is the great distinct advantage Florida State has against every single team they play. That included LSU. That included, to some degree, Clemson. I think it includes anybody they'll play in the future. I've got grown-ass men who are willing to put their hands on you on the outside. I've got a unique situation with my offensive line. It's not good. It's not bad. It's just, eh. So why not allow my receivers to do the blocking and get the ball out quick and kind of bully them that way and then set up the run using that passing game? That's the way I think we should play it. I just wonder if we're pig-headed enough um, or too pig-headed to do that. You know, I think sometimes we want to do certain things that we're not all that capable of doing against certain teams, and then only after they prove that we're not capable do we go back to this thing that we know we have an advantage in I'd start the game that way.
2: Yeah, agreed. See, the thing is, pig-headed or stubborn or not, whatever you want to term it, I don't know that post-buy, we've been put in a position where you've got to scheme things to be open. You could just kind of run your offense and do what you do and, and figure out what you are coming off the buy. But this is a game where I think it mirrors more of 2022 which is you've set things up for a couple of weeks. You've put things on film yeah. in order to set up shot plays. And, and this is, a, in short, Mike Norvell has already shown you that he will disrespect an opponent based upon the perceived threat. And I don't think this is one of those that that's going to be disrespected. I think this is one that's going to be uh, schemed for because you've got Wake and Pitt following this game. So this is one that you circle and say, all right, if, if you've been setting something up for weeks or this whole season, to play off of it, you break it out this week. again. Yeah, this
1: is a good point by you, Tom. I think that's absolutely true. It's a coach's game. I really want to see how Mike does here. Uh, I've often lauded Mike and this staff for being prepared in these bigger games and these bigger moments to have a little something for an opposing team that maybe they haven't seen before or something that's unique in that given week. You know, Florida State has a core set of things they want to do, but we – again, talked about week to week last year, how impressive it was that they could be this kind of team one Saturday and another ty- type of team the next Saturday. This is one of those Saturdays. This is one of those days where let's see what you got, Mike. And, I, and, and I'm and I always – and I say that not cynically. I say that as in I'm looking forward to it because I agree with you when you watch the – it's not the tape because we don't have the coach's tape. But it, it's, if you go back and watch the games, and you have and I have, and we watch them in real time, we've watched them a second time, They are setting stuff up. There's no doubt that he's setting things up. And I think it's because he realizes the second half of this season is more difficult, oddly, than maybe we expected. Duke is going to be a more difficult game than we expected. I have a feeling if Miami hasn't quit yet, they have the defensive personnel to make that difficult. Florida's probably not going to quit when we face them down in Gainesville. And then whoever you play in the ACC championship game. So you've got four teams, four games, from a personnel standpoint, a physical standpoint, where you've got to out a team and utilize your skill set and the skill athletes that you have, which are better than most teams in the country, uh, to varying degrees in each of these games. You can't just line up and do whatever you want. You could line up and do anything you wanted against Southern Miss. I would argue to a certain degree you could do that against several teams we faced this year. Obviously couldn't do that against Clemson. Uh, and, and you couldn't necessarily – do that against lsu in game one although in the second half it sure looked like we did anything we wanted um i just it's it's fascinating i do i think they have four tough games coming up after we've played these six i think we all thought coming out of the first four could you be one and one in your two big ones well turned out you were two and oh in your two big ones and you've reached six and oh i didn't think we thought we'd have six after six games another four difficult games but i think we will
2: uh, it's fair yeah i, I nitpick with Florida. Miami's Miami's about motivation. Agreed 100 percent Yeah, I
1: mean if they care to be there, they have the personnel to fight us.
2: Correct. Um and if you and you know what? Hopefully you can test them with a good first quarter and see if they still want to be there. Even oh, if correct, correct. The And area. if they
1: get blown out this weekend by Clemson, they may not want to be there. So you may correct. not have to worry about it. Yeah. yeah.
2: Florida, I like the matchup. We stop what they want to do best, which is run the football traditionally. So if we can do that and put Murts in situations and that'll get fun. But yeah, again, th- this is a week where you know, Mike has said it's been a message of his all season long. You hear it on all the cinematic recaps. It's about us. It's not about them. Right. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. It's about us. But there are times, you know, that Miami uh, that played a pokey Wilson last year. That's set up for a long time. You know, they're, they're doing a lot of different things formationally to have pokey Wilson wide the hell open in that situation for the first score against Miami to set the tone for the game. That, that wasn't a coverage bust based upon something that we do every week as our bread and butter, you know. So I think that's what this week is about a little bit. The one thing, a couple of things I'd say about our offense matching up against their defense. We've seen a better defense this year already. We saw it on the road at Clemson. That is a better defense head to toe than what Duke brings to the table. This team cannot cover the tight end. They were unable to do it when the whole world knew Notre Dame is their opponent, that the only guy they have is 88 and they still couldn't cover him. That bodes well for Shaheen Bell and or Kyle Morlock if you want to roll two tights out there. And then number three, they have not seen receivers like this, either the physicality in the blocking game. They left their corners on islands. And if they want, if they win those battles on Saturday night, then that's a new reference point. But they haven't proven that they can do so against the Keon Coleman and presumably also Johnny Wilson. So these are three reasons I'm excited for this particular game. They also haven't seen a quarterback as mobile as Jordan, provided that he runs. That's also a big question mark,
1: too. It's always a big hit for Jordan. You don't know if he's going to incorporate that or not. We don't know if he's physically... Uh, right? I never know. Week to week, I never know if he's 100% or not.
2: But it feels like a spot on the schedule where if he can, he will. Again, you've got Wake and Pitt coming up. You probably don't need to go bells and whistles with Jordan's legs (laughs) in those two games.
1: Yeah, and any of the big matchups that Florida State has uh, any given week, if he's healthy, I'm running Jordan's ass. I'm running him to death Um, in any of the big matchups because it changes the game. It changes the math and uh, opens everything else up. And uh, so you're right. I, I think they will run him if he's if he's healthy enough to run him. I, I never know. I mean, he's really hard to get a gauge on. He really is. And people think I'm being cynical. Uh, and people, you know, think I'm taking shots, uh, that he's MJ Walker. You know, uh, to some extent, I think there is a little MJ Walker in him. Um, miraculously, after every one of the times his shoulders goes limp, he somehow finishes the game and is fine the next week. But I will say, uh, I don't know what he's dealing with. And it, with no degree of certainty, I wonder, um, can he be utilized in that way? Can you run him seven to nine times in a game? Uh, I know that we've seen them come out before where they were determined to do it and to let the other team know, yeah, we'll run him. Uh, That changes everything when they do that, by the way. You can see it early on in games. When they do it, it changes the way teams have to play us.
2: He ran it enough last week, too. I think he'll be okay. I mean, was it a ton of design runs from Jordan? No, Uh, but. You know, the, one of the best best drives of the game is he rolls out. Jaheim comes off of his block. It's a quick, I mean, it's a five-yard throw right in front of his face, and Jaheim runs for 30, and then it's yeah. Trey, Trey, then Jordan keeps. Yeah. And you know you're going to take a hit in that situation. So there's belief there. There's also a couple of scrambles, too, where, again, maybe it's not a design run. But yeah, there's the willingness a, to
1: do it, though, yeah.
2: That, that's what matters is the willingness to do it because even Sam Hartman, as slow as his ass was for Notre Dame, made quite a few plays beyond the fourth and 16 that everybody remembers beyond that play. He made a few with his legs. So, you know, Jordan is willing enough to do that much. And I'm looking up the stats right now. He officially had seven carries. There were a few sacks interspersed in there, but I'd say three to five runs. All right. If you could bump that up to about eight in the game, I think, and and I'm talking about true runs. I think you're, you're in position here to
1: make some noise.
0: The Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk
1: 93.3. I watched a rain it settled in, disappeared for days again. Most of us were staying in, lazy like the sky. us breathe you know, by the way, if uh, if somebody could ever figure out how to encapsulate or to build to a point, pl- you know, I hear golfers say this all the time, Tom, and I've never, I still don't have a good answer. I've asked Trey Jones this. I hear golfers talk about it, and I don't think it's true. I don't. They always talk about getting your game ready for majors. So, like, a lot of people will talk about building to a place. Now, I do know this is true. Players will hit certain shots off of certain lies based on the upcoming major that they have where they're going to have to hit shots like that. So, we that part – makes sense to me if you say well two weeks prior to the masters if I have a certain lie and I can hit this shot this shot or this shot I'm going to hit the one that I most have to replicate at Augusta mm-hmm. so and see if I can do that so you're preparing yourself in that way but what's implied in that oftentimes is that there's also a mental aspect to this to getting your body and mind right uh, not just shot shaping and I, I just I've never quite understood I've never got a clear answer on that and the reason I bring any of this up is i'd really love to know because if you watch the phillies right now you don't think for any second of any game that they're going to lose like it's it's the feeling while you watch it i mean i know they bludgeoned them last night with 10 runs but it is this 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 is the hottest offense you've ever seen and there's no sense that that's slowing down anytime soon like this it would be right to suggest that we think the Phillies are going to blow everybody away and win the world series. I think you're right. I think they will.
2: Well, they haven't lost to a national league team at home in the last two postseasons. seasons. Not once, not one loss in the national league playoffs. The last two post seasons. hell
1: they're only lost. These playoffs is that stupid ass comeback in, yeah. in the late innings. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. great. Right?
2: Yeah. No, well, it's just when you're in the zone, you're in the zone. Uh, you know, I, I liken it to a former brave out there for you, former Braves. When Freddie Freeman is locked in, you will not strike him out.
1: Yep.
0: He
2: will hit the ball hard. Yep. It's just a matter of if your glove gets in the way of it. But here, you're not striking him out. You, he will walk or he's going <laughs> to hit the ball hard.
1: He's <laughs> the that out- spoken like a truly frustrated man who's watched it up close and personal. Well,
2: But when somebody's locked in like that, I mean, you just feel it. You're like, I can't get this guy out. It doesn't. I could throw the perfect pitch. He'll spit yep. on it. Yep. That's ball one. All right, yeah, what else you got for me? Yeah,
1: it's so aggravating.
2: And I will paint black on the outer corner at 101, and he'll deflect it. It'll go back to the net. Yeah, what else I'll, you got for me? And you're like, yeah. God bless. This is You're supposed to be a 30% commodity here. This is ridiculous. And it feels like 60%. So they're in the zone. And, and Schwarber can get that way, too, and, and when he is. Well, yeah. Just, what sucks about that is he was on the open market for the world at a pretty cheap rate. It's because of the batting average, and you know, obviously, he's not exactly a, a Mensa defensively. Never, he's never going to win a Gold Glove. No. no, but he wasn't like you know a forty million dollar player that everybody wanted and was getting in a bidding war for, and he, it, he's the total modern day tone setter for a top of a lineup. Average ain't great, but he will hit the the breaks off the ball.
1: I just, if I'm a Phillies fan right now, you have to embrace and enjoy this in a way that very few baseball fans ever get to do. Like just this, No, I mean, I don't know because I'm not a Phillies fan, if I'm better able to observe it than say a Phillies fan. Like if it's your team doing it, you're always looking around the corner for the next thing that's going to drop that causes you to go off the rails because baseball's mean and it just takes one thing for something to go wrong. Maybe you blow a game in the ninth or something like that and all of a sudden, you know, Teams believe they can win, but I just watch games right now. I'm like, well, I don't even know. Well, we're wasting our time. This game is not going to be close. I mean, you watch the first inning of games, even when they get out of the first inning, you're like, well, there were seven hard hit balls just now. Right. Seven. Right. That Two were foul. One was right at somebody. One was straight back to the backstop and hammered. you know, kind of just like every guy in that lineup right now looks like he is a menace.
2: I'm sure Major League Baseball is checking for trash cans, making sure there are no trash cans being hit. But, yeah, it looks like they understand what's coming uh, throughout over and the game. Over again. But then the starting pitching has been brilliant, too. Oh, Patrick. yeah. I mean, you know, Ranger Suarez, the last couple of years in the postseason, his ERA is insane. Nola's ERA this postseason's under one. Zach Wheeler, it hit, you know, as a somebody who watched the early part of his career in Mets orange and blue, control was always his issue. You know, he would be cruising through three innings, and then he'd have 36 pitches to start the fourth. He'd walk out of the fourth inning with 65 pitches because he walked three dudes and gave up a couple of runs. He has no control issues anymore, zero Whoa. control issues. So when you've got the starting pitching and there's a belief in in that clubhouse or the dugout that all I need is maybe three or four to win, you I think you play free. I think it all works together. It's not quite football as the ultimate team game, but when you've got total confidence in what your starters are rolling out there, I think that frees you up as a hitter not feel the pressure of the postseason moment.
1: Zach Wheeler's in his fourth season with the Phillies and he's gotten better every season that he's been there. It's ridiculous.
2: FNA. Uh, When he left left for Philly, it was all right. He's going to drive you nuts. No, no. He's going to drive you to the counter to buy championship hats is what he's going to drive. It's,
1: it's, it's something man. Baseball is just a, it's a, and meanwhile, Texas on the other side is doing all the same things. They can't lose right now in the postseason. It's kind of nuts. Everybody talks about how bad their bullpen is. Nobody can get to it. Nobody can get to their bullpen. So their starting pitching has been awesome too. So I I guess people will consider Philadelphia, Texas, if it happens, a boring World Series, but I won't. I mean, we think right now, these are two unstoppable forces. It's been absurd to watch them just breeze through the postseason. And it doesn't, I think we've all learned now that it doesn't matter at all how you get to the postseason, just that you play well once you do, and then something, a spark, something happens. And it's just, it's a silly game. It's a silly game that I love. I can't help but watch it. I know a lot of people when their team is out of it, which a lot of people that listen to us are Braves fans are like, yeah, I'm done with baseball. That's fine. But it is weird to try to analyze the sport because you can go through long stretches of time being sure that a team is this one thing or not this thing. And the next thing you know, you're like, I don't even recognize this bunch like that. How did the Phillies not win 120 games? They're loaded. Well, that's where
2: uh, they started very slowly. And I recall, I'll give director credit behind the scenes. They started slowly. They were in third, maybe fourth in the division. Yeah, they were and, awful. And you said, are they going to be okay? And he nodded. He went, they're going to be fine. I got to give him credit, man. Uh, he knows what he's looking at there. The, the, the question I have is, and I don't know the answer to this. Uh, maybe somebody in the chat does, not that we're live. But they, both teams had records of 90 and 72 this year. Who has home field? Because I think in, in the World Series for Texas versus Philly, that would matter to play in Texas first if you're the Rangers because they do feel invincible. They have been in the National League playoffs, invincible the last two seasons in Philadelphia. If it starts out outside of Dallas, I think that matters greatly. for
1: What for do you bring it up? Um, most of the time, you cannot quantify, cannot prove home field advantage in baseball matters in any way, shape, or form. And yet I think all of us watching the games would say it's pretty clear playing in Philadelphia is brutally difficult. Mm -hmm. Philadelphia is a place where I give them all the credit in the world. If you'll notice, boy, I'll tell you what, the alumni at Florida State would be furious uh, having to go into Philadelphia because those fans are going to stand the entire game. First inning, towel waving, ready to roll. Man, if you go to a Florida State game, and these days I sit more in the stands than i ever have because i'm sitting with my dad and my kids people are just pissed all the time about people standing oh sit down sit down you're like oh good god we we must have the i i don't know how it's possible we have like one of the oldest fan bases okay. in all the world it's nuts
2: i thought you were going to say something else oh yes that's fine yeah in terms of uh demographic it, it is fairly old
1: it feels yeah. ancient like you go to a baseball game we know what hauser is i've already talked about that go to basketball games man sleepy as hell people are mad all those ancient ass people uh, that have their tickets set up on you know center court aren't standing well this is the thing uh, you know once florida state uh,
2: erects however many different suites in the center part of the stadium you're gonna get corporate dollars here which will bring in younger people but who has the money? Who has the the you know disposable income? It's the older generations that have that. It's not like my generation is coming up from the top rope with a ton of cash. Look economically at the situations of growth. Over the, yours is fine. You're, you're you did great. Us coming out of college, not so much. So it's going to be you know people who are either in their 45 plus years or specifically like the boomers because there's no other sports uh, prof- professional franchise here in Tallahassee. So that's where all the people with the money are, are just crammed into the shady side and the alumni half.
1: I, um, it's my generation that would be able to do all the stuff that you're talking about. And and I, for one, there are games to stand. There are moments to stand. Third Absolutely. down is a big one. You got to stand. Let's yeah. do that. Now, I did tell Corey this week, it's the closest I've come into having to to reintroduce a scolding segment amongst the student population. I haven't had to do it in years. Way back in the day when you were listening to me driving around when you were a student, I would rip the students all the time. Yep. They were pathetic. And you the were right. The were the worst. You were they correct. They show up really late to the game. They would never have a clue what they were doing when, once they were there. They were all just – it was just out of control. Now they've been great. They've been great for years, years and years and years. Until recently, this trend of starting to wave when we have the ball on offense mm-hmm. just screams, look at our ignorant asses. It screams like a lack of football sophistication. Like if you were a fan from an opposing program and rolled into town and you saw that, you'd be like, look at these dumbasses," And you'd be right.
2: Yeah. uh, It's funny how time flies, but just 15 short years ago in the stands at, uh, you know, Doke Campbell, you'd hear three things. You'd hear kids chanting for X, Xavier (laughs) Lee, come in the game. You'd hear for Drew Weatherford to be put into the game. If X was on the field and you'd hear the sounds of vomiting. Those would be the three things you would hear in, in my heyday, which is why after 2007, my buddy Chris, show contributor Chris, and I decided to buy the student season ticket for 200 bucks and to go sit on the sunny side all the way at the brick wall up top so we could just have a more pleasurable experience. Watch the
1: damn game, right, yeah.
2: But somewhere, I think it was the Oklahoma game, really, in 11, where it the tide changed. They were in the stands, the students were, At like five o'clock, whatever time the gates open, they were. I remember
1: meeting with everybody because we had had such a good time in Norman, even though we got stomped. And I was saying, do the right thing by these Oklahoma fans. They were really good to us out in Norman. Make sure everybody shows. It's not, I'm not the reason, but I was certainly trying to get the message out that, Hey, look, those people were good to us out in Norman. Let's do the right thing.
2: Yeah. And then, you know, that's obviously the Jimbo era. In 12, there were a lot of expectations, so they showed up. 13 and so forth. You know, they, they, they've been pretty good about it. The, other, the thing I would say is maybe it's when you are in a lost decade or a lost half decade and you're coming out of it. You're just not as sharp. You've been beaten down. You, you, and, and now this weekend is a great opportunity. It is a 730 kick. It's a top 20 opponent. Do the right thing, students. Regain your edge, just like the team. Regain the edge. Because I, I don't blame you. If you had to watch for the entirety of your career and you were a senior, the Willie era, the COVID season, which you could barely get into the game anyway, and then 21, you might have been beaten down a little bit. But now there are fewer excuses. We won 10 games last year. We're a lot better.
1: Yeah, and yeah. Don't, don't start the wave when your offense has the ball. Really, the wave sucks universally at all times, always, no matter when it's done. But it's especially stupid to do when your offense has the ball. Yeah, not what we do, guys. Let's just get it together. Jeff Cameron Show 93.3, Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV.
0: The Cameron Show is a production of the WarChant.com Multimedia Network. Check out WarChant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's WarChant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3.
1: Tom, remind me when we start the NFL season, we're going to get the listeners involved again. We're going to do a survivor contest on the JCS. Nice. Yeah, okay. I, I really have dropped the ball on this each of the last few years. We're going to have all of our listeners or anybody who wants to participate. We'll do it for like a grand charity. It'll be awesome. We can really do it. And somebody's got to win something. So we'll get somebody involved in all this that wants to sponsor it. Right. But so like,
2: it'll be like a prize, but it's a cash entry. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah 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 and i and and we'll do it you know i mean it's primarily going to charity but somebody can actually win something i just have i've been studying the survivor uh pool that they do out in there's several of them um but what one of the things that I love uh, when you look at the the analytics reports out in Vegas and you try to you know you t- it's a, a delicate balance uh of trying to like as a as a selector as a, as a picker um you know you're 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 trying to stay present while also looking ahead to the future. And because you can't use the same teams twice. So you you get to a point in the season, and I think it starts now, where you are really in some rarefied air. Like one of the contests that I follow had 90,000 people enter it. They're down to under 9,000. I mean, that just tells you how hard this is to do. Yeah, you know, I mean, we've already seen massive upsets. Think about what would have happened last weekend if the Giants had beaten Buffalo. I mean, I, it was that close, and we just saw the Eagles lose to the Jets, and so a lot of people, you know, probably lost on that. I mean, sure. it, yeah,
2: and San Francisco lost to Cleveland. Like, this was a massive weekend for turnover in that department, and because you're thinking backup third string quarterback really for Cleveland, and here's San Francisco rolling into town. They're a machine. This should be really easy. And then even more so, if you're waiting until just before the window and you see that there's a pregame kerfuffle, you would think, you know, 49ers, oh, you idiots, you woke up the 49ers, they're going to win by 30. My uh, An extended family member of mine won one of these, and it was a big win. I mean, five figures, solid, solid prize. And they're sweating bullets in week 15. I think it made it all the way to week 15.
1: Well, I'll give you a sample ballot of a guy that I follow, um, who who does a really good job and bets this out in Vegas, and he has a website. And anyhow, um, he he. This is what he did in in by the week. Okay, so his his picks so far this year: um, Commanders week one, Bills week two, Chiefs week three, 49ers week four, Dolphins week five, Rams week six. Um, and he he's brought up to the fact that for most people. By going into week seven, the Bills, the Dolphins, the 49ers, the Chiefs, and the Eagles are likely all unavailable to you now. And that would make sense. Like most, you probably use those picks at this point by now. Yeah, yeah. And so you're sitting here some, so like you would look at, here's what you'd have to consider this week. If you do have Kansas City available to you, they play the Chargers. I don't want to touch that game. If you've got the Bills available to you, Coming off that Giants game, you may not want to trust them, but they are playing the Patriots, Tom. I mean, but it is at it at it's at New England.
2: Uh, if you've got Buffalo, I, I'm looking at the slate right now. Uh, that I think that's the play. If you've got what about Buffalo? 49ers at Vikings, that offense, well, it's without Justin Jefferson, and they should be they should be angry after losing San Francisco. But I mean, look, if they don't have McCaffrey, that, that changes things too. I don't know I think if you had if if you're weighing and you've got those two options available which you wouldn't and and I get your point but if you're looking at Bills Patriots and then also you're looking at 49ers Vikings I I think Bills Patriots by a mile is, is the pick there.
1: So what but, I like is if you don't have any of those you get into the juicy stuff where you start trying to pick and you know this is these guys all look at like drop back EPA and, you know, EPA per play and, and, you know, drop back EPA 23rd in the league against 21st expected EPA, you know, (laughs) so like all that stuff is what you're looking at. And you're just trying to like one of the best matchups using those metrics is you would take Seattle over Arizona. How comfortable are you going to take feel picking Seattle over Arizona?
2: Oh, that's a toughie. Oh man! But that and
1: way you're running out of teams. Like you could take yeah. the Rams or the Steelers, but you don't like either one of those. I mean, all of this is.
2: Yeah, I mean, like you would think you would want to take Green Bay over Denver, but
1: oh no, I'm not Jordan Love on the road, no.
2: But it's Denver, you know. I don't care. Dolphins, it's... Eagles is a non-starter. You wouldn't. Non-starter
1: to... yet. Y- a yep. bunch of non-starters.
2: Uh, Lions, Raven. No, 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 no. Would you lead
1: them? <laughs> No Falcons, Bucks. no. Okay,
2: I was waiting, sorry. That's a lost translation. You wouldn't lean on the Bucks there, maybe? No?
1: No, no. No, Look at these games, Tom. You're scrolling through them. There's none of them. They're all nonsense. Washington and the Giants, you're not touching that game. You're not touching the Browns and the Colts. You're not touching the Raiders and the Bears. You know, that is awful. (laughs) Jags and the Saints, no chance. These are no games. Yeah. You're taking – you could take Seattle over Arizona because they're hosting Arizona. And the numbers scream take Seattle over Arizona, but you're holding your nose and taking Seattle over Arizona probably because you don't have the bills and you don't have the Chiefs available to you. From here on out, it's just like, ooh,
2: I don't know. (laughs) Uh, No, it's – I think what you do is you probably pick five teams out of a hat, and that way you let the hat decide and you leave it there to submit, like on your desk or on your TV stand, and then you watch and see if there are any surprise inactives on Sunday morning, just looking for a miracle that somebody woke up with the flu and the quarterback's not available and it changes the course of the game. Or, wow, surprising development. On Thursday of practice, apparently you know, two offensive linemen went down for Arizona. They're like, all right, now I'm really all in on Seattle. But other than that, in a week like this, if I don't have one of the surefire two picks, I think I'm putting names in a hat. I, I don't even want to be the one to make the pick. Just let fate decide.
1: A lot of people, and this is what, let me ask your philosophy on this and I'll move it along. But I think it's an interesting one. I think you and I could go in together on one of these things and not get into a fist fight. Yeah. But most people do end up screaming at each other because if we join our monies and, it's, and these entry fees for the big ones are, are not small. So like you and I are putting a couple grand in each. All right, so we let's say it's 4,000 to Annie up and we both put two in, okay? All right, or 5,000 and we put 2,500 in. That's not nothing, man. No. Now we could win a lot, a lot, a lot. Six figures in some cases, okay? So here we are or more. Can you imagine calling your best friend and saying, All right, man, I'm really feeling good about Seattle, Arizona. <laughs> And your no. friend going, are you nuts? No. I'm not doing
2: it. No, I, well, somebody's doing something. You know, that's the hard part. Buy my share out, buy
1: it out. I, I want out. I'm done. Give me my money back. You know, well, you have to come up. I'll warn anybody when we do this next year. And ours isn't going to be for millions of dollars. But I, I, I think you've got to go in with a, a friend whose opinion you value greatly about the topic of the NFL. Okay. And then you also have to have a tiebreaker because you're going to come into a week like week seven, like this week where you've used up all the obvious ones. You're like, all right, listen, Miami is going to hammer Atlanta. So I'm going to take my, whatever, right? You you get the drift any given week. But there are two scenarios that are always difficult. One is you're never, you don't want to take the team that's favored by 30. That's I mean, that's yes, that's survive and advance mentality, but you're gonna need that team later on. So you take a lesser one, like, can I get away with using the Raiders this week? You know, yeah. like when can I get away with using the Falcons? When can I get away with using the Bucks? When can I get away with using Houston? Yeah. Name your teams, right?
2: This is uh this is where a mutual friend of ours would put a spreadsheet together. Or I I suppose, given that uh, this is what she does on a day-to-day basis, I could have Jamie, my wife, put together a spreadsheet of like Green, yellow, red for go zone for teams, and then cross analysis of what the best matchups are for the season. So that way you know that's way to do it. You know, I I would love to use, uh, I would love to save Kansas City, but you know what? The next three games are in doubt for them. Three good matchups. It's a weird part of schedule. Take them now, and let's worry about week eight when we get to week eight. That kind of a thing.
1: It's tough. As the as the weeks go by, you end up kind of saying, look, at some point, in time, we're going to have to take these middle of the road teams where it's a 50-50 deal and you got to survive it and move on and then save some big daddies for the tough weeks. When we get into week eight, week nine, week 10, I need to be able to fall back on the Chiefs. I need to be able to fall back on the Bills. I need to be able to fall back on this year's Dolphins or whatever it is, you know, I mean, any given year, yeah. because there's so many teams in a salary cap league that are just average as all hell. They're all just average as hell. Yeah. Know, the Bucs are an average football team. The Saints are an average football team. There are some really bad teams. Carolina is a horrible football team. So, yes, any given week, you could say who's playing Carolina. I'm taking that team. But you you get my drift. Like the tech, if you're if you want to take somebody against the Texans, you better be careful. They're not terrible. So like it's one yeah. of these moments where you're kind of like, I don't know what to do.
2: Maybe we could put a spin on it and make it like uh, Florida State's conference survivor pool, you know, or uh, you know, or we pick oh, two that's or three, fun, yeah. Two or three conferences, you know. You probably need a you need a wider berth, so like two or three conferences worth of teams, and then it's a
1: college survivor pool. Because I know what you do. You just pick against Syracuse every week is what you do. Syracuse. I would never pick against them the first three weeks of the season when they're playing the Sisters of the Poor and they're going to rack up all kinds of stats and then they're going to turn around and play somebody with a pulse, get their ass kicked. It always It's funny what ends up happening with them. They'll beat a Purdue. Okay, and then, oh, they beat Purdue. Well, Purdue sucks to high heaven. Stop it. And then we're going to watch that, and then people will be like, well, they had a nice win against Wake. Wake sucks to high heaven. Stop that. And then when they play somebody who's any good at all, ass kickings. And the other thing that's weird, and I know he's probably endeared by our fan base because I've never heard anybody praise an opposing team's players more than I hear Dino Babers praise Florida State's players. It's crazy the way he prattles on and on. If I were a Syracuse fan, I'd be like, man, just shut the hell up. Tired of this nonsense. The first time he gets a chance to talk, he's just like, well, my God, I don't know how anybody beats Florida State. I mean, there's never been a better player than Keon Coleman. I've never seen anybody the likes of Jordan Travis at quarterback. It's excessive. It's absurd. I mean, those are good players, but he can't stop himself over and over and over again. I'd be like, man, you, this is manifest destiny. You got no chance to win. You just told your team you're playing the greatest team that we've ever seen in the history of college football. And he plays it that way early in games. You're like, what are you doing, dude? First drive of the second half, yeah. screwed. I'm gonna run up the middle. We got zero
2: chance to win this game. Yeah. I, I If it wasn't for the calling and uh, situations of certain plays or, you know, the, to kick down 21 when your only chance is to go for it on fourth of down. Of course. Yeah. If it wasn't for that, I would say that all of that is rhetoric just to deflect from the fact that his team's not good enough and, right. and he's trying to set the tone. But when you call the game to mirror that, you know, because like, for example, he says in the post game that Garrett Trader had food poisoning or whatever it was. And that's true. Fair. I'll take you at your word. But Garrett Trader got you down into Florida State's territory. Yeah. Down 21 points. He was the quarterback to get you over midfield. So how the hell did he get there? Was he, you know, was, did he have a bag that he was going into as he was getting down the field? So if he's good
1: enough to get you there and you're in fourth and five, call a damn pass. What the hell's wrong with you? I... I I don't get it. I, I don't get it. It's very strange. I get the idea of setting and tempering expectations for your fan base, letting them know like, Hey, eh, this might be a toughie. I got it. And he's had a lot of injuries. I mean, they, they, they've lost key. They lost their best player. I mean, that, that, that's a tough one right off the bat. You don't have that's too many good players here. and they yeah. lost the best one.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, I get that, but man, on and on and on. We like, well, you know, I just, that Florida state program and it's, it's uh When you've won 35 national championships in a row, it's tough to ask us to go in there and win. I mean, come on, man. Boston College nearly beat Florida State. Get it together. Hour number two, forthcoming. Stay with.